This, 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 this is mythical. What's the best sparkling water? The Sport Crew says they have the answer. Check out their ranking of the best sparkling waters on the market, flavored or not. If you guys notice a little bit of a delay today, Nicole and I are each home for the holidays, but we took our fancy microphones home with us so you wouldn't be stuck podcastless. Ah, uh, the holidays. They're filled with magic and wonder and sweet treats and family and togetherness and a whole lot of useless cliches trying to get you to buy more stuff. Today we discuss, does food really bring people together? This is a hot dog as a sandwich. Ketchup is a smoothie. Yeah, I put ice in my cereal, so what? That makes no sense. A hot dog is a sandwich. A hot dog is a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> what? Welcome to our podcast, A Hot Dog is a Sandwich, the show where we break down the world's biggest food debates. I'm your host, Josh Ayer. And I'm your host, Nicole Hendizadeh. And today we're joined by my friend Kushboo Shah. She's the restaurant editor of Food & Wine magazine. Her writing's been featured in Eater, Bon Appetit, New York Times, Washington Post, GQ, as well as the Best American Food Writing 2018. Kushboo highlights the intersectionality of food, diversifying the who and the what of restaurant coverage in her work. Kush, how'd we do on your bio? That's actually pretty good. I'm also in 2019, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. We'll go, but we'll re-record the podcast. Just come on the podcast next year. Just keep that gravy chain rolling. Uh, also, I mean, your biggest accolade is you were once my editor, and you once just sent me like a text saying, "What if animal fries, but pizza?" And then I indeed made animal fries with pizza. So to me, like that's that's a huge honor. I think you know. Honestly, that might be the highlight of my career. I think I peaked then, and it's all been downhill since. Thank you so much. Uh, anyways, the reason you're here, one is because uh, you're awesome, really great, and you're also formative in this podcast because before it ever existed, like months before this podcast existed, you and I were having dinner together uh, with Farley and your friend Zoe at Birdie G's in Los Angeles, and you were like, "Josh, hey, what you got going on at work?" That's my impression of you by the way uh and i was like i was like i think we're gonna start this podcast and the idea is everyone has like a hot take about food and like they don't really talk about it and there's a market gap blah 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 and you were just like yeah i don't believe in hot fruit and i was like what that's and you're, correct you're like, <laughs> you don't believe in hot fruit no that concept is mean? abhorrent to me i love fruit let me make this very clear abundantly clear my twitter bio even goes so far as to say that i i think my twitter bio says this who knows that i'm an aspiring fruit journalist i would love nothing more than to actually spend the rest of my career just covering the ins and outs of produce but okay hot fruit is terrible like it is just wait we should save it we'll save okay. it we'll save, save it for save it for opinions or like castles because we we actually have something that we came here to discuss Another hot take that you put out on Twitter like a week or so ago uh, was that uh, people always say how food brings people together, but you said that you thought the more interesting parts about food are where it divides us. And we had planned to do this thing centered around, you know, the holidays, because this is when that cliche always, always comes about. Uh, and I think it is something that we've sort of accepted because every brand has screamed it at us and we've used it as a platitude for so long. But yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to give you, you know, the space to kind of uh, talk about where you think food divides us. So, I mean, I guess we should just all like say our thoughts, you know, uh, I mean, do you think as a whole food brings people together? I mean, sometimes, but <laughs> I, I don't know. I actually think there's more dividing lines around food and not just in like, you know, this, this restaurant's pasta is better than this restaurant's pasta. It's, um, there's a lot of people like really break down, you know, like so food is so tied to religion in so many ways, right? Like mm -hmm. religion shapes, the way a lot of people eat and therefore mm -hmm. a lot of their beliefs are tied and value judgments of the world are tied to food. Like take, for example, you know, halal 
uh, versus haram or like, you know, something mm-hmm. is kosher. But that language extends beyond like, is this hamburger halal? It's like, oh, that, you know, that move I did or that decision I made, that was like a halal decision mm-hmm. yeah. or a haram decision or like, oh, that's kosher. Like, is that good to go? You know? And so it's like these value judgments that are placed, you know, that actually are rooted in like food, which I find very interesting. And there's such strong opinions on like, you know, whether you should be eating meat, you shouldn't be eating meat, um, you know, meat in particular is like one of the most fascinating ones, right? Like mm-hmm. there's like meat eating along gender lines, meat eating along like socioeconomic lines. Um, and there's such strong opinions. I mean, I'm Indian, um, Indian uh, American and, you know, within South Asian culture, I mean, when you break down like caste and, you know, all of this kind of stuff, like there is literal violence around the concept of eating meat. And it's something that, you know, food is the the root of so many wars too. So I don't know. I really am anti this food kumbaya uh, movement, you know, that's cute, but it's just not true. I'm grinning from ear to ear so hard right now because that is, I mean, like you seem to have a lot more personal experience with that concept, but that is, those are my like exact beliefs. But Nicole, I feel like you lighten the mood. Come on, bring us up. Get us excited Uh, about food again. Well, you know, with my experience, (laughs) I mean, yeah, food does divide people all the time. Like I was a girl, Persian girl, bringing kebab to school, being made fun of for making fart, for bringing fart meat to school. And it's unfortunate, but it was true. But I feel like the older I've gotten, the more diverse my food expeditions get, the more togetherness I feel with my personal like group of friends and my family. Mm, so yeah. like, of course, like people are like not open to trying new things and people are, you know, very, very secluded in their in their decision making when it comes to food. People have their comfort zones. But I feel like living in L.A. and having the opportunity to try things and explore different cuisines and explore different cultures has helped lend to more people that are different coming together with my experience. Yeah, I give you that. I mean, there's also this idea, right? I think, especially when you're an immig- like a child of immigrants or, yeah. you know, second or third gen, like often your only connection to your culture in many ways is the food. Like a lot of people don't even have language connections or anything Absolutely. like that. So it's like the one thing you kind of cling to. It's the one thing that like brings, you know, people like you together. Sometimes it's like the thing you can connect over that you relate over. Um, so yeah, I think that that is actually like a fair fair element of, you know, people coming together over food. I have a question for you guys. Do you guys, like, whenever you're with your family, do you guys eat together? Like, actually, like, physically together? Because I never would eat, like, with my mom and dad and stuff. I would always eat alone. And it wasn't until I dated, started dating my fiancé and I realized that, like, people eat food at a dinner table together <laughs> and they – I'm not kidding because I because my family doesn't do that. Like I sit like in the living room. My mom like sits in the kitchen. My dad is watching a Packers game in the TV room, you know. (laughs) So the actual togetherness, do you guys eat with people like at your homes and stuff? Nicole, you've seen me eat. You've seen you've seen how I operate with food. I am I am standing over the sink. I ate lasagna with my hands last night over the sink. Uh, but no, I mean I, I was a complete latchkey kid, and so you know we I didn't grow up with family dinners. Like occasionally, you know when 
one of my parents who they were divorced at the time. So they were separate, you know, saw the family even further dissolving. They were like, I'm going to like shake my computer screen for emphasis that no one can hear, <laughs> but I want to do it. They're like, we're going to eat together as a family and enjoy it. And I'm like, okay. Uh, so if that's your idea of togetherness, you know, I don't know, I suppose, but that is such a, you know, quote unquote American ideal, right. Of like, Every night we sit together and we have dinner at the table. It's a very like Norman Rockwell Thanksgiving totally. style thing. And I don't think to me that's one of those things that's like um if if you're trying to do that to force togetherness, then you're not together in the first place, you know? Right. In no, a way. for sure. And so I, n- I never had that experience personally. Yeah, I was also very much a latchkey kid. You know, my dad was like building, he's a doctor, but he was like building his medical practice at the time and like would frequently come home at like 9, 10, 11 p.m. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. and then, you know, when you have like so many after school activities too, right? Growing up, like mm-hmm. between like sports and whatever, there was a lot of, you know, me, my mom just like feeding me whenever there was like <laughs> time to eat. It's a little bit different now, actually. During the pandemic, it's been interesting. Like my family has been eating together a lot more. Um, more than we kind of ever have, which is, yeah, it's sort of fascinating that way. But we don't always eat the same thing. I'm like, I'm sort of a brat. I don't always want, you know, I mean, incredible luxury right now that my mom <laughs> often cooks dinner. Like, but I'm now at the point where I'm so back in pandemic, like I've just been home for too long that like my level of appreciation has gone back to like high school levels where I'm just like, oh, I don't want this. I want Taco Bell. Um, and so instead, like I end up cooking something, you know, separate uh like and often my brother will get in on like whatever i'm cooking because he's such a brat but it's fine um (laughs) love him he's great uh yeah so but we still will sort of eat at the same time or my dad does this really annoying thing lately where he just like will refuse to accept that he actually wants what you're making but just like (laughs) like his own portion but insists on eating it from you and it's just kind of (laughs) like but like from your plate like yeah from your plate Dude, story of my life. Every time I get something to go, I like see a little like corner of it like innocuously missing. And I just look at my mom and I'm like, did it taste good, Shala? And she's like, it was okay. <laughs> like, thanks for eating my pokey, mom. <laughs> yeah, my dad always just wants like a little bit. But like dad bites are just mm-hmm. like they're so different than normal people bites for whatever reason. I don't know why that's the case, but No, I've been taking I've been taking dad bites since I was like 14. I fully understand that. <laughs> because if you it's like it's like the the nacho paradox, right? Where if you say, "Can I have one nacho?" and someone agrees yes and you pick it up and say the entire nacho plate is stuck together, that still counts as one nacho. <laughs> Therefore, due to nacho sovereignty rule, you are allowed to eat all those nachos. Maybe I'm the reason I don't think food brings people together because I take advantage of food and I am the one, you know, who is sort of reaping what I sow in that sense. It's Sophia Franklin. And if you don't already know, listen up. My mini series is live now each and every Monday. And the only person missing is you. We're dating, we're dumping, we're learning. And we're tapping into all the feels that originally brought us together. Listen and follow Sophia with an F on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. But no, I mean, Kush, have you like noticed any difference in your family togetherness with like eating dinner at the same time? I mean, it's compounded by the pandemic where we just don't get enough separateness that I think it's Mm. almost (laughs) it's almost gotten worse I'd like I just never noticed growing up like how much my dad 
again, love my dad, but like does not contribute <laughs> to like the domestic situation in the house. So it's yeah. like without fail after dinner, he just like clears out and like goes and watches like YouTube videos. And it's like me and my mom and like sometimes my brother when I, you know, complain enough, um, like cleaning up the kitchen, like, you know, breaking mm-hmm. everything down. I'm like, what is this? This is some like, and it, it's interesting. You know, my parents have like a very, you know, my mom's a dentist. Like she's very, like a you know a very strong personality and whatever, but it's like weird where their like relationship takes this division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. It makes me I become very rageful at it constantly. Uh, that's that's one of the reasons I I really don't like the idea or the the sentiment that food brings people together is because I think you're like washing out so much like so much labor and, and so many other things that go into the production of food and literally everything down to like who's washing the dishes afterwards that for people to say such an empty cliche like food brings people together to me it's like you're ignoring everything about it you know that has the power to divide like you said on gender lines along class lines i mean food is literally the first thing that i ever noticed in my life that divided people like mm-hmm. literally i just you know you, you grow up you grow up as a kid you're so thank you for the question nicole uh you're so <laughs> You grow up. You grow up as a kid. You grow up as a kid, and you like don't understand your home situation in context to a lot of other people's. You know what I mean? Because you've normalized mm-hmm. it for so long. And then I remember, you know, showing up to school, and like, you know, my lunch was like a sink. I'm I'm gonna make it sound like I'm a, a like you know an orphan. I wasn't, but it would be like you know like we we're poor. We had like a single slice of ham in between like crappy white bread and like and nothing. It was like drink from the drinking fountain. You eat your single slice of ham sandwich and that's your lunch. And I was like, this is normal and it's a perfectly fine lunch. And then I saw what all the other kids were bringing. And this is in Orange County. So it's like height of, you know, mm. soccer mom, yuppie dumb. Yeah. Like I resent Milano cookies and kudos bars because the rich kids brought them. <laughs> I literally saw a striation in like poor, this is Orange County. So like upper middle class and rich. And it was like, all right, the rich kids are bringing Milano's the poor kid or the poor kids are bringing a single slice of ham sandwich. And then the upper middle class kids are bringing like, you know, the, the Costco chocolate cream cookies that don't necessarily have a brand on them. Right. So I immediately saw these lines that just divided people so clearly. And it was like, I want to get to a point in life where I can eat Milano cookies, you know? So I just, to me, it was always a, a dividing line. Yeah, food is so tied to status, right? Like, think about mm-hmm. the Lunchable. <laughs> like, that was, like, the height of, like, lunch coolness for me. I mean, they're absolutely trash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're total trash. Like, what Like oh, what yeah. a waste of, like, everything. But, yeah, like, I had to beg my mom for months to, like, buy me a Lunchable. I think I've maybe gotten Lunchables twice in my entire life. Same. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so similar. My mom would be like, this is garbage. This is processed yeah. garbage. And I'm like, I want to dip my nachos in the yellow paint. That's all yes. I want to do, mom. Let me dip the small round nachos in the yellow paint. But, I want uh, the cardboard pizza. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do you God, feel like the older you've gotten, though, you've like the more self-actualized you become? And since you guys are both food journalists, don't you think that you guys bring people together with your food writing? Nicole, did you just call me a food journalist? You were. You were. I wa- yeah, but like we've been working together are. for the last two years. No, I do the like, same job like, that we do now. Josh, no, you are. Okay, former. I, I know you want me saying. to say former? Yeah, I've officially retired. A food journalist emeritus. <laughs> no, but like the work that you've done, don't you like to think that it brings more awareness and creates a world in which you bring people together with your writing styles or do you I think, think, what do you think? I think, it, I think it creates more awareness for sure. At least the mm-hmm. stuff I'm really interested in doing. I think sometimes it can bring people together as far as like people from one community, 
because uh-huh. it's suddenly recognition, you know, in like a national publication or or something, you know, that, that they're traditionally not recognized in or like haven't been. Um, but again, you know, just take Indian food, for example, like Indian food is like, you know, India is not like a monolith as a culture, right? Like Indian food is like almost, you know, it's kind of a joke to kind of say that. Like it just, the food is so disparate across, you know, every region, every like, I mean, cast obviously plays like a huge influence Mm -hmm. on like what people eat, how people eat, um, you know, along beyond like geographical lines, you know, and economic lines. Um, so uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I struggle. I struggle with it. Yeah. I think on one hand, you know, people are excited to like see this kind of stuff, you know, being covered. And like, that brings me a lot of joy. And I just like, like to highlight people that are doing really cool work. Um, but I think I'm not sure it's like necessarily doing a lot to like bring people together necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I mean, Nicole, this is something we kind of touched on in our is Instagram ruining food episode where, you know, we kind of talked about this idea of um, food media being so prevalent right now that like literally everybody's seen Food Network and food is, I think, more top of mind for everybody than any other time in history. Right. And I'm like, you know, through my rose colored glasses, I want to believe that that's just going to like make conditions better. People won't mind, you know, paying $18 for ramen and, you know, uh, an equivalent amount for spaghetti or whatever, like as mm-hmm. if we can, you know, sort of pr- sh- shine the light on these communities that have not been seen before and blah, blah, blah. And I think there's there's certainly like a hero complex to that. And sure. I think also yeah. I think I think also with our sort of want for instant gratification, we're like, well, we're not seeing any results right now. So this sucks. But I think it, it raises the question of like, does does bringing awareness actually like help anything get better you know like how do you you measure that i don't know because there's still like there might be an acceptance around someone's food but there's not necessarily an acceptance Mm -hmm. of the person right like or of the culture there's plenty of like idiot racists that like will just down like you know queso burria they'll like down burritos Mm -hmm. they'll down whatever but then they're like build a wall you know like that's like that's like yeah. yeah it's that same idea you know they'll you know they'll use terrible you know, slurs in the same sentence as being like, okay, yeah, can I have tacos for dinner tonight? You know, it's like, mm. it's kind of that, that idea. I don't know. I don't know why I'm so cynical today. <laughs> what happened? Sometimes I've seen food bring people together. <laughs> <laughs> this one time, um, no, I mean, if I think about, you know, one of the things is, you know, food is morally neutral, right? It's a, it's a thing we've been putting in our body for millennia. Of course, it has cultural significance, but we use it for energy, then we turn it into poo, right? Food is not good or bad. Um, food does not inherently bring did you people just together say, or divide. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. Can we backtrack? You just said, <laughs> Go ahead. did you say food is poo or food will be poo? Food is yeah. all. That is a scientific fact that I, I believe in. I am I am pro-science on this podcast. I believe that food does <laughs> okay. eventually become poo. I think some, I think the liquid is extracted and that becomes pee. Okay. That's Anyways, great. the point the point that I was trying to make, I don't even remember anymore. I just got into pre-poo. Um, no, pre-poo? the fact that <laughs> food is pre-poop, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> but no, the fact that, you know, it's it's morally neutral. It doesn't inherently bring people together or divide people, um, but it's the way that people have interacted with it for literally forever. It could be said about literally anything, right? Does religion bring people together? Certainly it brings people of that same some people. religion, of the same church. You know, it brings right. them together. And then you're like, oh, man, but the Crusades happened. And like still to this yeah. day, people are persecuted because of it. 
it's the same thing with with food. You know, I don't think there's anything special about food that can uniquely bring people together or divide them. It's all the crap that we put on it. Video games are, you know, the same way. You could apply it to literally anything. Like there's a, you know, apparently a diverse uh, you know, diverse groups of people that play video games and people unite and meet friends that they never would have otherwise. And then like Gamergate happens and Steve Bannon mobilizes video <laughs> game people to vote Trump in. So it's anything can be used as a tool, you know, and food is no exception. But I think the difference is we buy a lot of food and people yeah. want to sell us that food. So they sell us a rosy idea of it. Yeah. I mean, I think food can physically bring people together, but physically bringing people together doesn't like, necessarily... We are reaching... I like to think so as well, everybody. We are reaching so hard for positivity right now. I tried to go down a positive route, and then I was like, Gamergate happened, and the video game kids on 4chan were sending bomb threats to politicians. Because <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. but, but it doesn't necessarily <laughs> translate into like an emotional togetherness, which is, I think that's the thing we're just over people like peddling because mm-hmm. I think it just the people want to glaze over the realities of things. And I think we would actually just do much better if we just acknowledged them instead and didn't pretend that like, like a beautiful lasagna, not the one that Josh made last night or whatever. And eat a <laughs> bad. Um, mm-hmm. you know, will suddenly like heal all the problems. Like when that's not the, you know, that's just not the case. Um, and especially with food media, like just, it's just so people are just so full of crap <laughs> when they mm-hmm. when they tout that line. Yeah, it's just them not wanting to do the work of like, you know, fixing the doing you know fixing the real issues at play. How do you guys think food can bring people together? Is there a way that us <sighs> three can work together like the Power Rangers <laughs> of food? <laughs> Is there a way in which food can bring people together, and how can we do that? And how can we tell our listeners? To do that, I pass. I, <laughs> yeah. you I, can't I pass. pass. This is your podcast. No, I pass. I pass to Kushbu. I just don't think in America, in particular, that we fully understand like the real cost of food, or we really mm-hmm. value like what goes into things. We have this expectation that things are supposed to be really cheap. It's actually like a piece I'm working on right now. I mean, compared to other countries with like a similar GDP, we spend such a small portion of our incomes towards food. Mm-hmm. Like the discount is the discount in quotes that we get is actually like the real cost is like human labor. Like the people that are, you know, growing, like farmers are totally suffering, you know, farm workers are just treated unbelievably terribly. You know, they're doing such hard labor for such, for so like so little stability, like no health insurance, like nothing, you know, they're like treated like actual crap, Um, you know, and then that like, there's just continual issues along the food chain, you know, even in grocery stores, like we expect, expect prices to be so low, but if we just raise them slightly, like it would benefit, you know, the people who grow the food like massively. Mm. And then, you know, at restaurants, we don't pay enough, you know, for, for the labor that actually goes into preparing mm-hmm. these meals. Um, and like the real food costs, so they're running on such tiny margins. So then, you know, it's an industry that continues to, you know, demean the workers that like, you know, are a part of it. Like there's no, you know, we're still dependent on a tipping system. There's not benefits, you know, people are not paid enough in these. It's just like this constant perpetuating cycle. So I think it's like if people understood the value of food more and like the labor that goes into it, like I think actually ultimately that would bring us more together in the fact that like more people would just have better lives. 
that makes sense. That might be really reaching. So you think educating the masses is the first step to bringing people together, like actually having people in the United States understand where their food is coming from and who's giving them their food is like the first step. Yeah, a hundred percent. And instead of just educating it, it's like getting people to accept this fact. I think a lot of accept people, it. yeah, a lot of people like know that people are not paid a lot, you know, to like pick the potatoes that they're eating and the French fries mm-hmm. that they're paying a literal dollar for, you know, a bucket of like, but they just choose to kind of ignore mm-hmm. it or like, they just don't want to think about it. Cause it's a really yeah. crappy thing to have to think about. Um, so it's not just education, it's like an actual acceptance. So it's like we need to actually shift policies and approaches and and formats of things, I think, for yeah, for that to happen. But I don't know if that's even possible. <laughs> I got I got a hold on. I got, I got a better idea. Here's the thing. What we know about Americans, uh they dislike education, right? <laughs> our our education rank in the world is failing. Why? Cuz education it's boring. No one likes it. But the ways that so I I, I was never great in school. I, I somehow tricked people into eventually getting into a college and almost Same. graduated from that college before not. Um, but <laughs> a way that I was able to learn as a child was through trickery, right? They would bring me in with something fun. Y'all ever play Math Blaster? Yeah. Math Blaster was, yeah, it was like, it was no. a video game, right? Yeah. It was a stupid video game where you'd like zap pieces of trash out of the sky because they're oh, like kids. Oh, yeah. Learn to recycle, and then you'd have to, you would have to, it was a carrot and stick sort of thing. They would trick your little child idiot brain into doing math by baiting (laughs) you with video games. And I've seen some restaurants kind of, you know, trick people, right? Food is a huge form of entertainment. I know for me, I'm Mm -hmm. bored, so I'm just like, let's go eat. And I think, uh, you know, certain restaurants have like done a good job of sort of tricking people. Like I was at an Armenian restaurant and on their menu on the full front cover was like, yo, by the way, here's a 300 word history of the Armenian genocide. Uh, Enjoy your kebab. You know, and I was just like, no, I'm a, I'm gonna read this. I, I I ain't got nothing to do right now. And you know, I of course it's not like a systemic change that I think can happen everywhere. It's just people writing, you know, stories of you know the Cambodian like refugee resettlement program, uh-huh. um, you know, on on their menus and whatnot. But I think you know some sort of system or like Kushbu said, just like an actual acceptance of every time you eat. It's just like, hey, by the way, there was you know, a farmer who literally got paid like 22 cents an hour through terrible loopholes and lack of any legal recourse to pick these strawberries. Um, but, you know, it's it like Coach said, it's a fact that people just like don't want to accept. And also this rosy idea that food can like end racism because that was so much discourse <laughs> around the taco, the taco trucks in every corner. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Corner. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I remember being in a room at a magazine where we were doing a whole racism issue. It was wow. just like, or no, sorry, sorry. It wasn't, it wasn't racism issue. It was, it was an immigration issue. Um, and then okay. as we talked about it with executives, we realized maybe it should be a, a racism issue. Cause one was literally like, yeah, I just don't understand the hate against immigrants. Cause like, I wouldn't want to pick my own strawberries. <laughs> no. And it was that's, just like, dude, uh, that's a you absolute wanker. Like, come on. Um, like, it's you know, a- so I think, <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, it's like the same vibes as like, I, I think I tweeted about this, but I had two women approach me about hosting a show that was all about refugee cooks, but they wanted to call it chefugees and just like, only ha- it's like those exact same vibes. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> this isn't it. <laughs> that's super, yeah. that's like the definition of exploitation. That's crazy. Yeah. But I don't know, have, have we seen any, I'm trying to think of like real life examples where, where food has brought people together. I mean, uh, you know, we, we, we've all mentioned, um, you know, like elementary school lunches on this podcast. You know, I remember 
this isn't necessarily food bringing people together. It's almost further uh, enacting the divide. But I remember uh, we had, I had a, a Lebanese friend named Christian, uh, and he would always bring, you know, like Lebanese food. Like, like I think the first meal that I remember eating from his mom was like mujadara. Um, and he would always trade me for my like, you know, American crappy reduced price school pizza lunch. Uh, and so like I got to experience you know, his culture through eating his mom's home cooked food that he didn't want because he just wanted this quote unquote all American experience of eating crappy cardboard pizza. And I mean, that was something that, you know, kicked off like a lifelong sort of, I don't know, love for Middle Eastern food. And it always like really cemented a point in my mind to learn more about the different cultures. And maybe this is just, you know, a me thing because I got the ADHD and I'm a curious little cat. <laughs> and so, you know, I start reading about colonization and start, you know, like, I don't know, you know right. reading about the, the Balfour Declaration all because I, you know, ate some some rice and lentils uh, from, you know, my friend when I was eight years old. Yeah, that's the thing, though. It's like most people aren't like that, though, right? Like, yeah, most people, people aren't, aren't like you, Josh. Yeah. Oh, thanks. I'm also the same way where I'm like, oh, this is really cool. You know, like, but I think that's how we end up in these these places where we literally yeah. talk about food all day long because we're... <laughs> Either geniuses or idiots. I can't tell. <laughs> a little bit of you, both. A little bit of both. Do you, think, do you think that more people can eventually get to that place, though, if, you know, talked about kind of food media saturation just becoming a more popular yeah. form of entertainment? I think so. I, you know, yeah, there's more and more places you can get exposure to this, right? And, like, mm-hmm. I think the more you see other people excited about something, like, that tends, we, you know, we have a lot of herd mm-hmm. mentality just as humans. Like, sure. you know, if a lot of people are amped about something, you know, I think that does definitely help so yeah i don't know yeah i mean like what if the free britney hashtag was like <laughs> pay emocally farm workers you know like what if i don't know if we got to a point where that was the case then i think in 60 to 85 years we're all going to come back here and record this podcast <laughs> and be like yes food does bring people together but until then i'm fine just being super bitter about it <laughs> I'm not, I think, I think there's hope. I think, you know what, just, I'm, I'm believing in a silver lining that one day, eventually, food will, br- you guys really uh, opened my eyes and made me feel like a dark person right now. I'm a, I've never felt more cynical in my life. So thank you for that. But I do believe that there's a silver lining. And I think the more people are curious about food and the more we educate people about the realities of food, I think it'll eventually put us in a proper step to bring people together with the use of food. I think it's fair to say that food can bring some people together. We never talk about that. Like I have a lot of friendships Mm. sort of actually based or centered on food experiences. I think Josh is actually one of those people, you know, like we met through kind of like food Twitter, like that is like Mm. essentially it. Like we became friends over meals, you know, like that is how that worked. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, now I deeply regret it. No, I'm just kidding. But, (laughs) 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 but I think food can bring some people together. You know, I think there is something to like spending a Saturday with your friends doing like a dumpling crawl, you know, through Mm. like, you know, Flushing and Queens or like the SGV Mm -hmm. in LA, like, you know, there's something to that. Um, and like, you know, deciding that you want to spend eight hours with people, you know, centered on these like meal experiences, like there's value to that. And like that I can get behind. <laughs> especially when your journalist friend Kushbu is paying with her company card, then it especially. Correct. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right, Nicole and Kushbu, we've heard what you and I have to say. Now it's time to find out what other wacky ideas are rattling out there in the Twitterverse. It's time for a segment we call... Opinions, Opinions are, are like <laughs> casseroles. 
can't do it from home. We should just stop. We should just stop trying. No, I think we should um, keep going. All right, Kush, but this is a segment where we react to people's terrible food opinions. But first, we need to react to your terrible food opinion, which is that hot fruit is bad. That's a great food opinion. I don't know what you're talking about. How really you don't high. like hot fruit? How you don't like because hot fruit? It, like, Tell us. It, it makes it taste like warm, fruity water. Like, okay, here's the thing. There's a clarification with this. Okay. I don't mind when something has once been hot fruit, but then it chilled down to room temp. So, like, okay. I don't want hot apple pie or, like, hot blueberry pie. That, to me, just takes away, like, the fruit flavor because it just okay. tastes like warm goop juice. Like, it just grows. But when you chill it, it's, like, down at least back to room temp, if ideally cold. Like, then you can, like, really get... Like, the flavor is, like, concentrated. There's no, like, weird distraction from the heat. Yeah. So you, uh, you think know, it's so distracting? Okay. Yeah, I think it's disgusting, honestly. You ever had a clafu tea before? <laughs> have, I had, have I ever had what? Clafu tea? Is that how you say uh, that? I've had it, but I prefer it at room temp. <laughs> I can't with you. I can't Interesting. with you. I, I just made an apple pie for Thanksgiving, and I, I, like, took a bite of it cold straight out the fridge, and I was like... Nah, I microwaved it for like two minutes and then I put it in a 500 degree oven for like eight minutes. I, I torched it in each, pie, each piece of pie. Cause again, you know, we were, it was just me and Julia were social distancing. And so I ended up with like seven eighths of a pie that I ate through the course of a week. And every, every slice that I heated got more and more done from the last time. Cause I was just like more, more heat in the apples. I was just insatiable because I put cold ice cream on it and I want that immediate temperature drop. And then I want the ice cream to melt into a beautiful creme anglaise on top. Is that a bad ugh? That's a good ugh. That's my kind of No, the worst. I hate that like hot, unless it's a brownie. I hate that hot thing, cold ice cream like combo because I don't want my ice cream to melt like that. If you want creme anglaise, just eat creme anglaise. Like, no, why I bother? Want, I like ice cream like soup. Frozen. Schrodinger's ice cream. I want at one moment for it to simultaneously be frozen ice cream and creme anglaise. And the only way I can get there is by torching the crap out of my pie. And I will not apologize for it. <laughs> but like poached pears, are you like into poached pears? That to if me I'm is like the most- 78 living in <laughs> Maine, maybe. But not right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the most disgusting hot fruit formats i can I think agree. of that's a little yeah. gnarly <laughs> yo i love poached pears like a red wine poached pear you get that you get the shoe. of course you do i like that mushy so food much i like mushy food i also I like mushy like food, mushy food. Hmm. i just don't like warm hot fruit, fruit, fruit mush. mush yeah like warm applesauce Ugh. Ugh. Ew, I, can't. Oh, I hate applesauce so you wouldn't oh. eat, you wouldn't eat you wouldn't eat marinara sauce Okay, but like tomatoes, hey, leave her gotcha. alone. Way more safe to leave her alone. <laughs> you need to leave her alone. I hate right. when you're like, uh, yes, okay. Tomatoes are technically a fruit. I get it. <laughs> no, dude, we we did a we did a whole hour on that, and we just destroyed every. And especially when everyone's like, do you know bananas are? Do you know watermelons are a berry, but a strawberry isn't? And like, why it's called a berry then? Why it's called a strawberry? It's red. It goes in my Jamba Juice. It's a berry, you moron. You don't know what a berry is, you freaking idiot. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. We also said we were going to mention hummus. We're going to get to like three opinions, but I, we were talking about hummus and bringing people together. And one of the most formative uh, moments of my life was when I was in Israel and we're at a restaurant and uh, the dude made us hummus. And then um, a girl was like, oh my God, this is so beautiful because like, Palestinians eat hummus and Israelis eat hummus and food just brings people together. And this restaurateur stares her straight in the face and just goes like, go tell that to my family in Gaza. 
and see if it makes the bombs stop flying over their heads. Oh. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. That's yeah, pretty. Yeah. That's pretty accurate. So that was yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, should we now on to on to a lighter note? <laughs> uh, we got at Paul along the watchtower. Maple syrup is just weird tasting tree blood. Butter pecan. <laughs> butter pecan is where it's at. Yes, butter pecan syrup is not a thing. I don't believe outside of the IHOP canon yeah. of syrups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got the maple old fashioned butter pecan, and then the, the blueberry and the strawberry, and those are just there to like weed out the uncultured people because butter pecan syrup it is so artificial it is so delicious it takes like you <laughs> distilled a thing of butter pecan ice cream into a clear liquid through a centrifuge i agree i like maple syrup and i enjoy it in multiple facets i love it in my oatmeal i even sometimes put a little bit in my coffee sometimes fun Ooh. little fact about me and <laughs> i think it's delicious and i think it's it's beautiful and this person just has a weird chip on their shoulder yeah, I love maple, but I love the idea of calling it tree blood. I'm kind of into that. Yeah. Metal. That only makes metal. it more appealing to me, though. So <laughs> I don't know what that says I about thought, me, but it's fine. I like your general violence against plants. Like you talked about like meat eating being, you know, having an inherent sort of dividing <laughs> factor in it. But I love that you're just all about like brutal violence against trees. But I love a plant. I want to be an aspiring fruit journalist, Josh. <laughs> Never forget. I love that you're a, like a very incredibly accomplished, like actual food journalist, but an aspiring fruit specific journalist. You're like, look, I've done everything I can in the food world, but now the fruit world, I got to conquer it. There's a lot of stories that need to be told in that space. <laughs> okay, next up, we have Jade underscore Imerg. The crisp grapes are superior to mushy soft grapes. Mushy grapes are awful. You guys are in luck because I literally have two grapes in my hands. One is <laughs> what? one is one is hard, one is wow. mushy. I don't know what? if this is gonna happen. I had no idea. It's fate. Let it happen. Okay, I'm gonna eat the mushy one first. I'm gonna give you my true honest opinion. I hope the microphone catches this. That's good. Okay, now for the crisp one. Wait, what the heck is happening? What's going on? It's happening. Accept it. Honestly, the crisp is better. Mushy grapes are nasty. I agree. I'm You're, team crisp grape. Crisp grape. You just, what? We're just glossing over the fact that Nicole happened to be holding, <laughs> uh, were you holding them the entire time? No, my mom gave me a cup of fruit before I started my podcast. <laughs> yeah. I hate that you both have fruit moms at your disposal and I'm, yeah. I'm over here alone. Cutting it's up my true. own fruit. I just got a text from my mom that she just peeled a couple pomegranates. So there you go. Yeah, <laughs> That's I'm so mad. <laughs> I didn't know anyone liked anyone likes mushy grapes. Is that a hot take? Does anyone no. like like mushy fruit in general? Is there any fruit that's good as mush besides like mm. a mush durian format, like applesauce? Durian mm. is better when it's mushy. Nice oh, red banana. <laughs> I I will not eat a banana that I have to chew with teeth. <laughs> I will not. I, I exclusively eat the ones that immediately fall into a paste that as soon as they hit your tongue. So you, you like like a banana, banana bread banana. Like that's the yeah, banana like, you want. Yeah. If it's not completely brown speckled. Mm-hmm. Huh. All right. All right. At, at 10 to no charisma, original Oreos are inferior to the flavored ones like mint and birthday cake. Yeah. Yeah. Life's too short for like original flavored anything. People who bring plain chips to a party to me are like anathema. Like, I, I want the barbecue. I want the Szechuan hot chicken flavored Lay's. I want yeah. to take risks. I want to experience everything the world has to offer insofar as it's in a bag of chips. 
Or I don't know, man. Thing. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I love a good OG Oreo flavor combination with the really, really sweet hydrogenated cream and the really, really weird bitter cookie. I'm sorry. <laughs> I gotta say, I think the Oreo Thin is the superior Oreo. <gasps> mm. Original flavor combo, <laughs> uh-huh. but the texture is like, there's something to that. Like, it's. I think it's just more, I prefer the cream to cookie ratio on that one. Um. This is my my favorite fact about food, but Oreo thins are more calorically dense than oh, normal Oreos. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So they were marketed as Oreos, like diet Oreo thing. Like when Nabisco came out with the hundred calorie packs, and their Oreos were just like weirdly chocolate scented crackers. Mm-hmm. Like what yes. the hell? Oreo Oreo thins were their answer to that. But I I went through and I divided the total weight of cookie. Um, by, you know, the calories, and they are more calorically dense. Wait, I actually have a bone to pick with that. Their marketing was not that, because they made me sign a freaking NDA when I was working at Eater, and, like, this <laughs> came out, where they were, like, exclu- they were, like, pounded this into my head, where they were, like, no, we're not marketing this as, like, a diet Oreo. It's an adult Oreo experience. That is literally <laughs> the marketing terms that they yeah. were using. Weird. Adult Oreo experience. Like, Oreos after dark. Like, that's what was going on. <laughs> I was gonna say, an adult Oreo is something you gotta pay, like, 150 bucks for, and, you know, <laughs> It's not technically legal yet. I feel feel like they used the term thin understanding, you know, what people were going to think about it. Is it just like the Virginia Slims, like like the thin, like elegant cigarettes, but for Oreos? Yeah. Yeah, I I guess. I I accept that. I accept that. Yeah. Were they really elegant? They should have gone with Oreo crisps. What's an Oreo crisp? It should just be, that's what they should call Oreo thins. Oh, that's what Uh, they should Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Let's see. What's next? Nat period Francesca says, why is it weird that I drink my soup broth first and eat the solids last? You know, people do this and it pisses me off like no other. <laughs> get like, him, get him. I, like I eat all, like when I, I'm thinking of, of a bowl of pho, okay? And I'm eating my bowl of pho and I eat all my noodles and I eat all my beef and I eat all my onions and stuff. And then I slurp the liquid, okay? I hate when people, like, have a bowl full of stuff and their soup is all gone. It's like, why are you doing this? Why, SpongeBob? Why? It really pisses me off. So, uh, I hate this opinion. And Nat, period, Francesca, you made me mad. I, I think anytime we get a bowl of noodle soup, we enter into a certain social contract. Right. That like the the intent behind it was for you to enjoy everything as an intricate dance inside your mouth hole. And I think like by drinking all the broth first, leaving all the solids, you're breaking that social contract. It's like doing something crazy, like put like like putting ranch on lasagna. You know, it's like (laughs) lasagna is not meant to house ranch. And so I think it's, you know, uh, almost immoral. Yes. (laughs) I am also pro eating your noodles and drinking your soup at the same time in similar ratios. Yeah, this also makes me really annoyed isn't it fun getting annoyed at people's opinions <laughs> yeah, this is really great i love this i know <laughs> so cathartic <laughs> wait what a what a segue what a segue at geeky for life 12 my dad eats spaghetti and puts ranch on it i'm gonna <laughs> go ahead i'm gonna nip this one but i'm gonna nip this one but um i i was joking about the lasagna putting ranch thing earlier because that is something that i do it is something that I will not apologize for. I didn't come here to make friends. I'm fine leaving with enemies. I I will go to Little Tony's uh, friend of the show uh, in North Hollywood. I will get their $8 spaghetti that has a quarter cup of water sitting at the bottom of the bowl. And I will drizzle their ice cold ranch coming straight out the salad fridge on top of that spaghetti and slurp it down. But I will say it is better on lasagna because that bridges the gap between spaghetti and pizza. Amen. Yeah, no. 
<laughs> we're just we're just shaking our heads at you, bro. Like, no, sorry. What? Okay, okay, compute. okay. But but hold on, hold on. You, you ever been like eating Caesar salad on the same plate as Sketty, and you get like the bite with this little bit of Caesar salad and the Sketty at the same time? You're no, like, I keep them very separate for that very reason. <laughs> Again, too. food does not. Live a I, don't bring, I don't even bring my foods together. Not only does food not bring people together, I don't bring foods together. <laughs> like they must be separate. Not interested. Krishpoo, yeah. Open up your heart. I literally today, God, this is sad. So I, I made this lasagna and I have like 10 portions of it to eat over the course of who knows how many days. So I've been eating it for every meal and I'm getting a little bored with it. So today I chopped it up and kind of pan fried it till the noodles were crisp. And okay. then I took just a wet baby greens and ranch salad. And I just put that directly on top of the lasagna. Like it's a freaking burrito bowl. I thought it was that. more like croutons oh. the way you were describing it. No. Yeah, I also can't do wilty greens that are like Yeah, me either. That are like, you know, Ugh. spring mix. Like a wilty kale that's like sauteed or whatever, sure. I can get behind that. But like ugh, wilty arugula, pass. Ugh, You've never had the, the braised lettuces uh bruschetta at Alimento? No. See, that's different though. That's like a that's not wilt. That's braised. That's intentional wilt. I intentionally yeah. put the salad on top of the lasagna <laughs> with the ranch. Oh my god. I, I am a chef. I am a real chef who deserves to be taken seriously. The man screamed in his bedroom. I'll do one more. Okay. Claude F88 says homemade Mac sauce as the base sauce on pizza. Yum. What is Mac sauce? They're talking about special sauce from McDonald's. They're talking about they're talking oh, like about Big th- Mac a, a Thousand Island. Yeah, that's definitely what they're talking about. I can get behind um, that. Yeah, I think that's cool. I mean, it probably wouldn't be my preferred pizza, but like I'd still eat it. <laughs> I'm, pro, I'm pro non-marinara pizza sauce, pizza bases. I think there's like a lot of fun to be had there. I do too. I think we are, we are all children of CPK, yes? Hell yeah. We worship, yeah. At the, worship at the altar of barbecue chicken pizza. R.I.P. Oh, yes. Back in one pickup. My, my only problem with that is um, if you put Thousand Island in a, in a frying pan, you can scramble it. Because the the mayonnaise um, content, and so you do, which isn't a deal breaker for me. Because as I mentioned, I you know I'm eating ranched up lasagna over my sink every night. Uh, quarantine is like all hard. Big Mac sauce has enough stabilizers in it that you wouldn't actually have to worry about that. God bless the joys <sighs> of processed food. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Gonna, oh, God. I love that we're all like we have to teach people about farming, and then immediately the God bless the joys of processed food. Uh, Listen, anyways, I what am, a, I'm a person who contains multitudes. <laughs> Kush Bouchard, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for containing multitudes. You can check out her work at Food and Wine Magazine. Um, uh, buy their foods and wines, I think. Is that a good plug for Food and Wine Magazine? Yeah, that's pretty great. You can also find me in my bad opinions on Twitter at Kush and OJ. K-H-U-S-H-A-N-D-O-J. <laughs> also similar on Instagram. More bad opinions there too, so I'm full of them. <laughs> Uh, And if you want to hear more of us here in the Mythical Kitchen, we got new episodes for you every Wednesday. If you want to be featured on Opinion De La Casseroles, you can hit us up on Twitter at MythicalChef or NHendizade with the hashtag OpinionCasserole. And for more Mythical Kitchen, check us out on YouTube where we launch new videos every week. And of course, if you want to share pictures of your dishes, hit us up on Instagram at MythicalKitchen. Bye. Um, uh, Food brings people together. Happy holidays. This is the last (laughs) podcast of the year. We should leave them with something Oh, it is? Oh, well, see you next year. Where it's going to be way more positive. We're committing to 100% positivity on Mythical Kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Super duper.